0: Today's lesson, it it's really goes way back, but it also has a lot to do with human nature and how you attach to people instead of God. The writer of Hebrews extended his or her because we still don't know who technically wrote Hebrews. And so we're going to go with who wrote Hebrews in their discussion of the superiority of, of the revelation of God in Christ to include Moses, the lawgiver, who was revered by Israel as the greatest man who ever lived. Earlier, the author had demonstrated that Jesus was superior to the angels who meditated on the law. Next, he focused on the superiority of Jesus as the receiver and the recorder of the law. Moses was the Hebrew prophet who delivered the Israelites from their Egyptian slavery and who was their leader and lawgiver during their years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses was a leader so inspired by God that he was able to build a united nation from a race of oppressed and weary slaves. In the covenant ceremony at Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given, he founded the religious community known as Israel. As the interpreter of these covenant laws, he was the organizer of the community's religious, civil traditions. His story is told in the Old Testament in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And after his death, Moses continued to be viewed by by Israel as a servant of the Lord. Joshua 1, 1 and 2, it says, the Lord commissions Joshua, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses. We're going to go back to that in a minute, because in this uh, translation, it, it uses the term the assistant of Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up. And cross over the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land that I am giving the children of Israel. Joshua 1, 3, I have given you every place that the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. <clears throat> I got three more scriptures to go here. So that was Joshua 1, 1 and 2. Joshua 1.3, now we're gonna go into Joshua 8.24. When Israel com- completed killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they had pursued them, and when all of them had finally fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of their sword. Joshua 14.2, their inheritance fell to them by lot as the Lord commanded through Moses, for the nine and a half tribes. I'm gonna pause there for a second because even today, a lot of them still reverence Moses as almost like a God figure in their life, in their religion. So many times in the moves of God is we don't do what they were talking about, a break the, 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 the beyond the veil, is they still were looking to Moses as everything and not had turned their attention on God. So Moses brought the Ten Commandments down, and there was almost reverencing him more than God that gave him the commandments. Think about that for a second. When they, when they departed to Egypt, Moses was their leader, and their focus gets off of God. We have to turn our attention back to God. Right now, what Israel's going through with all this in the Gaza... They're, you you, you got to get this. Their focus has to be on God for their source during this. Not us as America, not no one else, God. And if they get their eyes off of God as their source for this, it's just as bad as back then. So when we start reading the Old Testament and looking at, at, at Moses, yes, he was an incredible leader, man of God. But the people, some of them raised him to a level that he, need, he did not want to be or should been put on that platform. So my question to you is, who are you raising up in your life? Because see, human nature is to do that. Human nature is to do things like this, Is man, this guy, he really teaches good, so I'm gonna kind of slide in there. No, that's wrong. God has to be the source right now. As Christians, yes, we should be praying earnestly for what's going on in Israel. But Israel, they have to look to God as their source for this to take place. Because if man helps this intervention, it's not from God. In your life, how many times do you look for man for intervention instead of God? And so when you put your eyes and focus on God, then he is your true source for everything. Joshua one seven, and also Joshua four ten. Be strong and very courageous in order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left, so that you may succeed wherever you go. Joshua four ten. The priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to say to the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people quickly crossed over. So when we look at this transition, it's interesting that in in, in the, I think it was the modern English version that it said, the assistant. It's making reference to Joshua, that he was Moses' assistant, So the question is, did the people ever look at Joshua the way they looked at Moses? Or were they still looking at Moses, not Joshua, but not even God? Because Moses, when you, you start, even when you have conversations with a lot of the Jewish people, they still refer to Moses. And so we have to understand what's going on And we have to get into the Word. And we have to also, that's why we have to incorporate the New Testament and Old Testament all into into our walk with God, into our walk with Christ, to be more of Jesus than we were yesterday, so that we are more of him, so we can remain with our focus on God and God alone. Yes, we have assistance from people studying the Bible, preaching, teaching, teaching, But we have to understand that God is our source for everything. And the moment we look to somewhere else, we become distracted. And it's easily then to put someone else on a God-like platform. And we look at the way churches in the U.S. have become. The apostasy is running rampant. Why? Because we've elevated man to God's status. We've taken God and put him in man's status. And we cannot do that. We cannot do that in our own life. The New Testament, however, shows that Moses' teaching was intended only to prepare humanity for a greater teaching and work of Jesus Christ. See, if we take it into context, what it was laid out to do, we should still be learning from things in the Old Testament. We should still be learning from things that Moses and the people walked through. It's not that we shouldn't use that and apply that, but it's in preparation for what? That's the, that's the thing we have to constantly be looking at. The what is, is preparing humanity, all of mankind, for a greater teaching and work of Jesus Christ. What Moses promised, Jesus fulfilled. And that's where we got to get to. John 1, 17. <clears throat> for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Man, that, that is it's such a small sentence, but such power in that if we learn it and apply it to our lives. Romans <clears> 1.16. <throat> the, the description of Romans one sixteen starts in bold print. It says, the definition of the gospel. So when we're reading the scriptures, sometimes we need to look at these things and say, okay, what, what is this? What is this where, where, where is it going? What, what's, what, what's going on here? So the definition of the gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. There is the definition of the gospel. Romans 3.31 Do we then make the law void through faith? God forbid. Instead, we establish the law. Holman Christian says it like this. Do we then cancel the law through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And see, those are things that we have to to be able to blend the old and the new together. That's why it's so important that we study all of the Bible, that we slow down and we were, like I said last week, we were in Terre Haute, and Saturday night I got the privilege to, uh, the pastor we're with, and he's done an amazing job in this church. that they've been They've been there twelve years. Their church is completely paid off, debt free, and he has a staff that, going into Saturday night, he had asked us me to preach on deliverance, and so my mind went over here. And then as I began to pray and fast and seek God, then God took me over here with the deliverance. And more of the deliverance was for, let's just say, the crowd is setting in here. What are things that you've not been delivered from because you won't let go of? Not just the ones out there that's caught up into drugs and alcohol and, and driving up. least and I was praying, and it's, the area they're in is a dark, just a dark area that Satan's got control in it's a lot of drugs and 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 just everything that goes along with that the, the it's just it's impoverished beyond impoverished and there's just a darkness there and so in my mind I was going there for the deliverance in that field no the main was this field then guess what this happens then this follows right along and we saw people getting I don't know. Friday night there was probably 30 got baptized. Saturday they just—I mean, under the tent they're just everywhere laid out. God's working, moving. It's just—it was incredible. But it was like, okay, God, what do you want to do here? And 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 we, yes, it's dark. But when that deliverance comes, it sets people free. And so many times you get complacent and you're sitting on those hidden things that you need deliverance from, but you're unwilling to let go of. And we we had people coming forward that were some of their elders and pastors, but one of the most remarkable things is that Pastor Billy and Pastor Lynn, they have set up and they had 12 pastors. Guess what they were though? Six, six, Six teams of pastors, husband and wife teams. And it was just phenomenal to see the unity that they have created in that church, and as service started, uh, I was talking to Pastor Billy. I guess it was Friday night um, about some of the persecution things that we had talked about the Wednesday, a couple of Wednesdays ago. Um, and Billy's like, "Hey, and you got to know Billy. I mean, he, he's I'm trying to describe him. I don't know. It would be like putting a BB in the back of a 54-foot tractor-trailer truck, empty." And driving down 65 at 100 miles an hour, and trying to keep up with that BB, Does that make that that's that's him. He has about 75. Am I lying, George? <laughs> George is shaking his head, laughing. He he has about 75 thoughts a second sometimes when it comes to stuff. But he's put together this incredible team, and there's six groups of husband wife pastoral teams and I mean it is amazing what they're doing I mean and and they're they're taking the load off of Billy and Billy's transitioning to do more pastoring this and they're doing this but to watch them and so that night he asked me to to tie that together and, I, and I'm, I'm we go back to the hotel room it was about I guess 11 or 12 o'clock Friday night and Lisa looked at me and she said how are you gonna tie that together I'm like I don't know God's gonna do it somehow it's gotta be him. It ain't me. I, I, I don't have a clue. And so we began to just pray. And, and so Saturday, um, I still didn't have a clue. I got, I still got the notes in here somewhere. Yeah, there's two pages of notes. And I don't think I did any of them. So Saturday I dropped her off at the church and they're all doing their thing and eating and chilling out and I go to their regional airport and just went into the pilot's lounge and chilled out and drank coffee and watched planes come in and pray all day. And people would walk in, they're like, oh, wow, it's really nice and pleasant and quiet. And they'd, just, they'd be talking up a storm, they'd come in there where I sit and they would just be quiet. I am like, this is cool. But he did tie it together because at the beginning of the service, when I talked about that song about I have decided what it meant, then God, the, the Holy Spirit said, okay, here's what we do. So we brought those 12 pastors up and I said, guess what? They've all decided. They've decided to let go of everything in their life and to serve you. And so God tied all that together and it, it was incredible, the move. But it goes into the definition of the gospel. The gospel is simplistic. It's getting in Christ. And then Christ has to be your source for everything. The deliverance, the renewing of your mind, to, to let go of things. You know, Lisa spent hours with one young lady. Well, no, not hours. not hours but probably 20 minutes at least, and her mom is a full-blown witch, and so is her aunt. So she's dating this Christian, and of course her mind is good, bad, here, there, don't know what to go, and so at just took the time to pray with her and, and talk to her. Well, Sunday morning, guess what? She came in renewed mind, the renewed mind, because she allowed Christ to get into the new, t- to get into there and break that, and so the renewing of the mind—we have to stay focused on the gospel and what that looks like, because we have to apply the whole the whole Bible. I don't even know where I'm going with that, but um, but the teachings that we have to look to God. And so I, 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 I walked by a couple of times, and I do, and I remember hearing Lisa talk about you, you know you, you have to allow God to renew your mind. You, you have to allow the word to get in you. And she's like, well, you know, I haven't read a lot of the word. And she's like, well, then you got to get into the word. That means you got to open the word. You got to get that in there. And, and and probably 30 or 40 people that night, we prayed just that, that you've got to get that into your mind. One of their pastors, when it was over, he, he had walked, him and another pastor had been with me as we were praying for people. They just kind of stuck with me and we're doing a thing. And Uh, At the end, I looked at him. I said, you know, we want to pray for you. What do you want? And he's like, went back to the Old Testament. He said, you know, in the Old Testament, when (laughs) there was a really great prophet and his uh, sidekick said, I want double what you have. And I said, yeah, I do remember that story. And he said, well, I want that today. And so my first question to him was, are you willing to do what it takes to get that? See, that's the thing. Sometimes we ask God for things, but we're not willing to do what it takes. Joshua, the assistant to Moses, did what? Everything it took. He didn't cut corners. He did everything it took. <clears throat> and so I said, well, if, you, if you're willing to do the double, that means double fasting, double your prayer time, double the study, then you can have double the anointing. But if you're not willing to do that, you're asking for God something He's not going to give you. And so we prayed for Him, knowing Him with all. He crashed through the side of the tent, and it's kind of ironic. Half of them was laying outside the tent, and half of them was laying under the tent, and the Kirk the was right there in the middle. And they're like, what do we do? Let's leave him there. He'll get up when He's done. But it's so important that when we look at John 17, that everybody looked at that, at Moses that the law God had given him and and Moses was known as what the lawgiver the law enforcer the law the law but we have to get to the grace that came through Christ yes we have to <clears throat> line our all life life up with the Word and there are things that we must do and and, and so many times. In the teaching, and the preaching, in churches, no one wants to say the things that we must do. It's like, well, we'll drive people away. No, the gospel won't. But there's truth in here, and there's certain things that you have to do to do them. You have a free choice. You have a free will. You can turn your back. But God's saying, if you do this, through Jesus Christ was the grace and the mercy that came for humanity. But in our own lives what I want to challenge you with this morning is to make sure that you're not someone that's putting someone on a pedestal other than God. That we are truly seeking God's face in our life, the truth. And I was so messed up Friday night when we were there because I didn't have a clothes at all. And, and, Preaching along and uh, to see the change in, in Billy now was amazing. And so I'm, I'm getting towards the end after about an hour and a half. And I'm like, man, I don't have a clothes. I don't know what I'm going to do. Still have clothes. I'm praying. I'm, I'm taking a drink of water, and water. Hello. And then he got up and he tied together everything that happened Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and tonight and how God had orchestrated this seamless of subjects. And then I'm still there. I got a cough drop in. I drank a whole bottle of water. I'm like, man, I still got nothing. <laughs> close, And then I looked down at my wife. She said, can I add something before you close? I was like, sure, here. She took it. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to exaggerate, but 15 minutes later, 20, she handed me the mic back and there was the close. It was done. So then I just went straight into the altar. So God closed it the way he wanted to close it. He brought it all together. And then and then it just, the, the grace and the mercy just exuded through the entire tent. And so our focus has to be on God. We cannot be so consumed. And I was telling some, some pastors a while back in some teaching that, Sometimes we have to be careful because when we study, we may study 30 hours on a subject and try to disassimilate it in one service. It's not possible. But what the cool thing is about God is as you have studied that for 30 hours, some of it was just for your own education. And, and that's where you have to have that discernment to say, wow, okay. So of that 30 hours on this subject, 28 of them from my own education, and I'm gonna disassimilate two hours of that study. And that's what we have to be willing to do to get into the Word so that then we can disassimilate it. Because a lot of it is, there again, deliverance. There, there's things as I study the Word that, I, that guess what, I can let go of because now i understand it and, and, and get delivered from it. So as you go through the week, I just want you to think about, you know, who... Who have you elevated to a position that God should be setting that? Do you, do you look at someone like God when you should be looking at them as man and put God back to where he belongs? Because if that Saturday night, if I were to push Jeff's will through, I would have did a close that wouldn't have been of God. And it wouldn't have the same effect. Right. And so we have to be careful. And, and, and you think, well, that was just that crusade. No, that's in every part of my life in your life every day. When you stop and get gas, you stop and get something to eat. Do you go in there with the intention? I have an opportunity to pray for someone, to give someone a word, to give someone a scripture. Or you go in there just to get your, you know, hot dog on the roll. has been there for three hours and get back to work, or just get a cup of coffee? Or do you take the time to talk to the person across the counter? Those are things that when we put God in his rightful place, we'll do all of that on a consistent basis. We'll go in looking for an opportunity to witness, not trying to lay down the law. Father, I just thank you for the time that we can come today and study your word and look at before the veil was torn, there was the law. But after the veil was torn, there's grace and mercy through Christ. And then, Father, we 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 will apply all of the grace and mercy that God wants us to have, that Jesus died for us, so that we can be more Christ-like in everything that we do, everything that we say, and every person we come in contact with. And we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.